Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, it is time for that tune-up on our work. Figure out, are you doing work that you love? Work that you're proud of. Work that you feel compelled to do. You know, I hear a lot of praises about people feeling like they're off track. I wrote a blog just recently about a lot of people who are tired. And the reason they're so tired is because they're off track. They're not doing work that's really fulfilling, that's meaningful. Sometimes we just need to realign that. And you'll find that you have all kinds of energy if, in fact, you're doing the work that you ought to be doing. Well, this show is brought to you today by audiblepodcast.com. And I'll be giving you a link here in a little bit to go get a particular book that I'm going to highly recommend today. Really fun, interesting one I want you to get. But uh, the link is audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days. Now, there you can go and get any free book that you want. They have hundreds and hundreds, thousands and hundreds of thousands of books there. But the source that I recommend, audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days, that's your link to get a free book. Now, here's here's something that came through. Uh, before I even tell you what kind of questions we're going to deal with today, this is just something that's too bizarre that's going around out there. There's an email that's going around that advises that you put your cell phone in the microwave that you can instantly recharge it. Now, you know, it makes a case for the fact that it, it recharges the same, uses the same principles that wireless charging pads do by rearranging the electrons in your phone's battery. You just put it in there for a few seconds and it's going to recharge it. And then it links to what is a phony research page at Harvard University. And people are doing this. Are you serious? I mean, this is just one of those emails going around. I mean, common sense ought to tell you, don't do this. It's extremely dangerous. You're going to, first, you're going to fry your phone. Your phone's going to be absolutely worthless. And you probably damage your microwave as well. This is just one of those stupid things that stupid people do out there that don't have anything better to do with their time than to dream up things that are going to damage other people's lives. I don't understand it, but they do. But don't put your phone in the microwave to recharge it. Surely we all know better than that. Well, our theme for today is going to be, are you daring greatly? I'll read the quotation that goes with that in a minute. Here's some of the questions we're going to be looking at. Dan, what if I'm a fish, but climbing trees pays better? Hmm. How do you say, how do you decide what opportunities are just good ideas versus the great ideas? Dan, can I use material? I was paid to write for other publications as material for an ebook. How can I present myself as a professional after being a stay at home mom? There's a great question. How can I get a shark tank idea from other people? Well, great, great question questions as always. And if you got a question, you can just go to the podcast link at 48days.com, shoot it in there, or just send me an email at askdan at 48days.com. I'd be delighted to consider that for inclusion in an upcoming podcast. Now here's the quest, the quotation rather for the day comes from Theodore Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt. 
Now, remember, I asked the question, are you daring greatly? Now, you're going to hear that in this quotation. It's one that always inspires me. It's a little longer than usual. So just bear with me here. Listen carefully. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Well, I love that quotation. Who at least fails while daring greatly. Boy, if I'm going to fail, that's the way I want to do it. I want to go down in a blaze of dust because I was trying something rather than just sitting in comfortable kind of mediocrity. Well, we'll be looking at those questions and more. You know, speaking of failing greatly, I'll just touch on this. I, I, I wrote a blog on this just recently about the fact that I got sued over use of a photo in a blog. It was a blog that I did three years ago. And somebody, I'll hate to categorize the kind of people who do this, but they tend to be low-life attorneys who don't have anything better to do to justify their profession. So they, they're out there trying to find things like this, obscure patents where there's some kind of a little rinky-dink violation of a patent that should have never been issued to start with oftentimes. But also what, what happened in my case is some attorney found a photo that I used that I just grabbed somewhere quickly on the internet. There's millions of them available. And if they illustrate a point, and this one's very generic, it was just prison bars. There were no people in it, no action. It was just prison bars, very generic shot. But that technically belonged to some photographer he represented the photographer and they said I owed him $2,920. And to make a long story short, I mean, I did contact my attorney. I said, you know, shall I just ignore these scumbags or is this really going to come up and bite me in a behind? And, you know, my attorney says, well, you know, there's enough of a legal technicality there that it's going to cost you to defend it. You might as well just pay it. So I called the dude, called the dude. And I said, look, you know, we, we know this is a gray area. I said, I'm not trying to take advantage of anybody. I mean, I work diligently to try to have licensing agreements, like for music clips that I use, the taking care of business at the beginning of the podcast. I mean, I've got a licensing agreement with Sony that I pushed and pushed and pushed with them. They essentially said, hey, don't, don't bother us with something so small. Just go ahead and use it. But I pushed to get a legal agreement with them to use that. So I'm very conscious of this online space and what kind of a wild, wild west it is. Well, in this situation, I called the attorney. I said, look, you know, I'm not trying to shaft anybody. But I said, this is really out of line. I can buy any picture I want to use you know, for two or three bucks. I can buy a picture on iStock and use that. And I do hundreds of those. But I said, I don't know where this one came from. I apologize. I took it down immediately. What can we work out? And we ended up settling for 800 bucks. And I said, okay, you know, I overnighted him a check. He instantly sent me an email documentation that it was resolved. So that's the way we did that. But here's the point. The point is, you know, not how we avoid. The point is anytime you raise your head 
and do anything extraordinary at all, you're going to have people taking pot shots at you. It's just the nature of the beast. I saw recently where Richard Branson has at any given time about 125 lawsuits against his companies. 125 lawsuits. That's because he's out here doing things. He's doing things that other people aren't doing. Now, I don't want to have that many lawsuits, but is a little tiny lawsuit going to stop me where I crawl back in the hole and never raise my head again? No, it's just part of being in the game. So if you're going to fail, fail well, daring greatly. Incidentally, that's, that's the title of a new book that I'm reading right now. Um, if you want to go to, I'm sure you can check that out. If you go to audiblepodcast.com, 48 days, you can find Benet Brown's book on daring greatly. That's kind of what triggered the thought to come to my mind to look up that quotation again and grab that. Well, I like to start with some success stories. Uh, today is certainly no different. Got a lot of those success stories coming in. Love to hear them. This comes from Roy Simmons. Roy is in England and Roy lives in Essex. And he says, Dan, Roy here, one of your artist friends, friends from 48days.net. Just a quick note to let you know I bit the bullet and published my ebook, Introduction to Loose Watercolor for Kindle on Amazon on the 14th of October. By the 21st of October, it had sold over 200 copies and was ranked number one in the art education niche. As a spinoff, I've been contacted and looks like I'll be doing a two-hour demonstration of my technique at an art club for which I'll be paid. I tell this to give encouragement. If anyone wants help making art books, just let me know. Happy to share on 48days.net. He's got a link here, a little hard to communicate that via the podcast, but if you are involved in 48days.net, if you go to the writing, write it forward group, Roy shares his story in there, and this is a new book that he's got out. Um, you know, went to number one in, in one of the categories on Amazon, self-published book on art. Love it. Thanks for sharing that, Roy. Other books, I got two books here that I got yesterday. Sent to me one from Sean Castrina. Let me grab it here. The title of that one is, and I did an endorsement for that one. It's a really well done book on eight unbreakable rules for business startup success. And congratulations to Sean on doing that. Got one from Connie Fife, The Art of the Ask. Getting into the fundraising groove are with the forward for that one. A lot of those coming in. Love to see those all the time coming in. Uh, Teresa Rowe, also involved in 48days.net. Teresa wrote a book called Shaped by Faith. She has DVDs that go with that. She just sent me T-shirts. We just took pictures this morning. Took pictures of Joanne and me. And our friend Patsy Claremont, who has been an encourager to Teresa Rowe in her speaking to women's audiences. So we took pictures with Patsy Claremont and Joanne, my wife, and me in, our, in Teresa Rowe's T-shirts, Shaped by Faith. She also sent me a balance ball, one of the big balls that you sit on to uh, give you better, uh, better posture when you're sitting. So she sent me one of those as well. But she also is now on radio in Owensboro, Kentucky, three times a week. These are the kind of things that people are doing. Just they're getting in the game at whatever kind of things fit them well. I mean, in the, in the 48 marketing tips that I give out as a free resource, I have 48 things there. And I always tell people, you don't need to do 48, but you need to choose what are the three or four that you're going to do. What are the three or four that you're going to do and do well? So if it's writing, doing an ebook, getting on radio, producing t-shirts, 
I mean, there's all kinds of things that you can be doing, blogging, podcast, doing a newsletter. Well, hey, another quick um, success story. Now, I've told you about the young lady who Joanne and I have been working with and have been you know, helping her since her release from prison about five years ago. She's doing really, really well. Now, a couple things on that. You also may recall that I, I told you I put her on a new plan in terms of what she's doing for a car. After giving her four cars, I realized all I was doing is training her to come to me anytime she had a problem with a car and I'd take care of it or give her a new car. So after four of those, actually I gave her the fifth one, but we came up with a new plan where she was to pay me $250 a month, pay me $250 a month so that I would then have that as a cash reserve for her for any repairs that were needed. And if she didn't touch that, if she drove the car and maintained it for a year, she'd have $3,000 in there. If she does that for two years, she'll have $6,000 in there. I can help her get any kind of car she wants to drive. So she's excited about it. She missed the first month, but now she's been regular. So she has about 1500 bucks in there already. Now, here's a really cool thing. Now, this is a lady who... Um, African-American gal lives in the projects, has three little kids, single mom. So a lot of strikes against her, but she's out here working a job, you know, working another part-time job. She asked me if she could send me an extra $250 a month that I would put into reserve for her kids Christmas. I said, my gosh, yes, I'll do that. Now she asked me that in August. And I, she said, will that be enough by Christmas? I said, my goodness, if you do that for four months in a row, that's a thousand dollars. I mean, we don't spend that much money on our kids at Christmas. That's way more than you need, but go ahead and do that if you want to. And she's been faithfully doing that. So not only the two fifty for her car, but two fifty four. Now, and again, the, the car is not repaying me. I mean, I gave her the car, but the 250 is going into a reserve account that she's building up so that I can help her get a nicer car or put tires on it or get the air conditioning fixed or whatever it may come up as a need. So I commend her on doing that. Now, here's another chapter to her story. She just found out that the job she has will be discontinued at the end of the year. Now, this is October, but the job is going to stop the company is in a temporary space and the building is going to be converted in use. And so everybody has to leave. And thus they're just bringing to the close this little company that she's been involved with. Now she's been, been there, you know, working. So she's going to lose her job. So she called me, you know, panicked. I said, well, now Catherine, you know what to do. You can get out here. You know how to present yourself. Well, you can go out. She said the company was giving her a lot of flexibility in free time to go look for a job. They loved her, were really supportive about helping her in this transition. But here she is, that kind of a life situation. She needs to go out and get in a job, you know, gee, in this economy. She went out and in one day got two job offers. One day got two job offers. Now, these are not just convenience store where you get paid $7.25. She works in a medical environment. She got two bona fide offers, accepted the second one. She talked to me about it. I encouraged her to do it because it's really close to her house. She loves the people she interviewed with and it's at $14 an hour, which duplicates her current job. $14 an hour, full benefit package. That's not too shabby for a gal in that situation. She went out, 
and got those two job offers in one afternoon and is ready to walk right into that. As a matter of fact, she talked to her current, in her current boss's the position that she has and they agreed to let her go early. So she's going to start the new job in less than two weeks. They want her, they want her right away. So she's going to start in less than two weeks. It's much closer to her house paying 14 bucks an hour and that's $30,000 a year. And that's not too shabby for somebody who's got some strikes against them. So she's doing a great job and I consider that another success story. Well, let's go into the question. Oh, Hey, wait, 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 wait a minute. Here we go. All right. Yeah. This is our clip for the success stories. Hey, that's that's what I feel like after hearing these stories. You know, love that old Queen song. We're the champions. That's going to be our kind of tag for the success stories. If you got a story to tell, hey, shoot it into me. Again, just shoot it into askdan at 48days.com or put it in the little podcast little option that you've got. If you click on the podcast link, from 48days.com. You can also leave an audio message there if you want to. You'll notice I don't use a whole lot of those because we move so quickly through a lot of material, but I'd be happy to include an audio clip if you want to leave that as well. But tell us your success stories. Be delighted to include those. Well, this comes from, wow, I don't have, who. oh, this comes from Mike. Yeah, Mike Shazinski. Mike says, Dan, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this video by the Dilbert cartoon author, Scott Adams, about not following your passion. Now, Scott Adams, you know, I love the Dilbert stuff. Love, 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 because it's so real about what happens in corporate America in the workplace. But Scott has a new book out called, titled, How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Win Big. How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Win Big. I'm going to tell you how to get a free copy of the audio of that here in just a second. But Mike wanted to know my comments about the video interview with Scott, where Scott says, you know, this idea about following your passion is really not all that it's cracked up to be. I love what Scott Adams said about that, because what he did, what he talked about was the fact that a lot of people just think, well, gee, you know, eating Tootsie Rolls is my passion. So I'm just going to do that. Well, that's ridiculous. And Scott says, you need a process. You need a system to turn that passion into something meaningful. Just having a passion by itself doesn't mean a whole lot. You need a process. You need a strategy. I agree with that totally. I really do. Now, I'm all about following your passion. You know that. But identifying your passion is just the very beginning. And actually, sometimes it's not the beginning. This is kind of a a circular issue. Sometimes just identifying something that needs to be done, something that can be done profitably where you discover that you do it really well in doing it well, you start to develop a passion for it. So sometimes the passion comes later, not at the front end. And a lot of people cut themselves off from that because they're just going out and sitting on a stump waiting for their passion to show up. No passion is developed more than discovered. So I love what Scott has to say about that. All right. Again, Scott Adams' new book, How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Win Big. You can get 
a free audio copy of that. If you're not yet a member of audible.com, just go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days, audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days. And you can get a free download of Scott Adams new book, how to fail at almost everything and still win big. Now I've got a related question to this that came from Raven Burns. Raven is a, a regular contributor in the 48 days.net community and on my blogs and on the podcast here. She says, now she's commenting on the quotation that we had a couple weeks ago by Albert Einstein, who said, everybody's a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. Raven says, enjoyed the podcast as always. However, I have heard the quote about the fish feeling it's stupid if it tries to climb a tree, etc. But what if as a fish, you don't tend to generate enough money to survive? It seems that climbing trees pays so much better. How can you remain true to who you are if society doesn't feel that what you excel at is worth much? That is a great question. And you know, that's not something that I'm going to, be able to unpack totally or give a definitive answer to because it's something I ask myself all the time. I see people who do extraordinarily unique things. I've talked about so many times about Terry Brasher who did the tree carvings on our property. You know, who's going to tell you in college, do you ought to grow up to be a, a tree carver? No, that's something really unusual. But if you have a clear process and strategy, you can take something that unusual and be successful. Had somebody a couple of years ago who had a, had a green thumb. I mean, the guy would had a yard that people would stop and look at and talk to him about. So he had a green thumb. One of the things that he grew several varieties of was La Roape is what it's called, but it's really monkey grass. What we know is monkey grass. So it's a real common thing. It proliferates, you know, exponentially. You better watch it or it'll get away from you. But he would grow that. So he turned that into his business. His father-in-law had a farm that was not being used. So he just used a couple acres of that and he grows monkey grass. And then he sells it to individuals and to nurseries and has done really well in doing that. So even something that seems very common, if you develop a process for how you're going to do that, you can do it. I am working with a young couple right now. They're extremely excited about him leaving a $175,000 a year job that he has. He's in a medical environment and he is so eager to leave. I mean, he's ready to just walk out the door and I'm saying, man, slow down a little bit here. You know, you need to know what you're going to, not just what you're going from. So they have created a clear picture of what they're going to my encouragement and coaching with them at this point then is still not just, okay, you know what you want that to look like? What is your process? What is your week by week strategy to make this come to life? So that's really the balance in having passion is do you have a strategy? Have you created a strategy for how are you going to bring that to life? If you have, you can take some, you can be a fish and you can turn your, your little fishing in the river into something very spectacular. You can grow dandelions. And if you create a strategy for what you're going to do with that, you can make dandelion wine, dandelion salad. You can have people stop and look at your pretty dandelions. You can write a ebook about doing that. Yeah. You can take something like that, 
but it requires a clear strategy. Oftentimes people with especially artistic kind of ability think that, well, you know, I'm just going to do a few of these, just sit beside the road and uh, that's going to be what I do. And hopefully I'll be successful financially. Well, that's not a strategy. That's just a hope. That's a hope, a wish and a dream and a prayer, but it's not a strategy. You got to have a strategy. You know, here's another thing that Sutton Parks sent me a note this week. You hear us talk about Sutton. He's kind of part of one of the regular parts of our team around here at 48 Days. Is always here at the events to help us set up and take care of things while the events are going on and all that. But anyway, he sent me a note. It has to do with Banksy, who is a New York artist. You've probably heard about him. He does graffiti. You know, it just shows up at night and he does these hilarious kind of things where it says like no graffiti allowed with a spray picture of a spray can with a X through it. And the next morning there's a painting on the side of the wall with two little boys, one standing on the shoulders of the other one. And the one on top reaching up to get that can on the sign that says no graffiti, you know? So Banksy does those kind of anonymous graffiti paintings, but he's incredibly talented as an artist. About two weeks ago, he set up a display in New York city with his paintings, not showing who he was, but with actual paintings that he did. And he had 40 paintings and he had them available at $60 each. Being there an entire day, he sold three. Three of those paintings, these were Banksy originals for $60 a piece. Now the combined value of the artwork that he had had there would have been in excess of $250,000. But people didn't know that. They just, you know, walked on by. Here's a street vendor. So this week, some dude put together his own paintings that were Banksy takeoffs. They were fakes. And he promoted them as Banksy fakes. He told everybody they were fakes. They were imposters. He just painted them. Everybody who purchased one at $60 would get a certificate of non-authenticity. Non-authenticity. So he made fun of the fact that they were fakes and that he was just, you know, ripping off this famous artist idea. Now there's nothing illegal about what he was doing, but he was selling Banksy fakes. He had 40 paintings available at $60 a piece. He sold them all within one hour, 2,400 bucks in his pocket selling fakes. The real artist sold three an entire day. Now that's just something that makes me scratch my head. I don't, I'd love to unpack that. What is it that makes that happen so well? Why is it that a lot of traditional artists are frustrated in that they can't sell anything? And then we have somebody do just a spoof like this and put a whole bunch of money in his pocket. You know, I think there's something to be said for doing something contrarian, doing something unexpected doing something kind of radical. We go back to that daring greatly. Daring greatly will put more money in your pocket than playing it safe. Trust me. So what are you going to do to dare greatly? But you know, I I don't know how that ties in. I'd love to get your perspective on why is it that somebody can be so successful selling spoofs, selling imitations when the originals really weren't that appealing to people at all. I don't know. I'm, I'm looking for some kind of a, 
a business psychological or even spiritual principles underlying that to kind of help us understand why that happens. And frankly, to pave the way to show more of us how we could take the same kind of idea. What could you do that would be contrarian? I mean, we've seen a lot of things even in commercial ads that are a play on what we would normally expect. Some of the BMW ads are just astounding in that regard, but I love to see where they kind of tweak our normal expectations and then come up with a product brand that they're promoting. Well, anyway, let me know your thoughts. Question from Jim Wood right here in Nashville says, Dan, how do you decide what opportunities are just good ideas versus the great ideas? Do you have a filter in place? What are some steps you take to improve focus and provide clarity? Thanks so much. Yeah, great question, Jim. What I do in looking at ideas, and I am, am privileged to see a lot of ideas. Now, a lot of that is my own doing because I'm, I'm constantly grabbing magazines and looking for good ideas. Here's an example. I have here on my desk the latest issue of Entrepreneur, Entrepreneur Magazine. Guy was working, he has six kids, and he's at his job, and he gets this epiphany, this kind of thought. And he thought, golly, we know how QR codes are being used all over the place. That little funny symbol that you see in a magazine, you scan it with your phone, and it takes you to a, a URL, takes you to some kind of internet site. Here's what he did. Now, it took him a little bit experimenting to get there. He created pajamas for his kids where there are codes all over the pajamas. Now they don't look like those QR codes. He did it with a series of circles and triangles and squares, but each pattern creates a recognizable code when you scan it with his app, his pajama app in your phone. There are 47 different ones on a pair of pajamas. The kids can scan around. It'll bring up 47 different stories that will then instantly appear on the iPhone where it walks them through, reads the story, shows them the pictures and the whole thing. I mean, how cool is that? Now, there's nothing involved in that that's new technology, but it's a unique application that gives this guy an astounding new opportunity. I love those kind of ideas where something just, somebody just sees a little twist on an application. Here's another one. Now, this is an idea that is happening right now on Kickstarter. You've heard us talk about Kickstarter ideas. I love to see people who take great things out there. You know, another success story I failed to mention, one of the guys in 48days.net, his name is Caleb Simpson. He and his brother are the bearded brothers is how they brand themselves. And about Three years ago, they started sharing on 48days.net about they wanted to create these granola bars, healthy bars. And they did. Gluten-free, organic. They wanted to do it in some unique ways. And they did a little Kickstarter program where they raised $5,000. And I was involved in that. You know, I love to see those kind of ideas, encourage them. They raised their money. They went on. They did that. Well, they have been very successful in what they've done. And they are now in like 300 major stores, including Whole Foods and some of those with their Bearded Brothers brand of granola bars. They're now doing another Kickstarter program where they're now raising $50,000 so that they can research and develop this new like season nuts that they're going to have. I love to see those things happen. And again, I want to, I'm involved in that. I want to encourage them. I want you to go there as well. 
golly, if you go to, that's difficult. I'll put a link in the podcast notes right to their Kickstarter uh, campaign that they're doing. I mean, uh, so you can go right there, but help these guys out. I want to, you'll get, now it's not just a donation. I mean, you'll get some of their bars and nuts and things that they'll send out. So you're going to get some goodies at the end, but go ahead and jump in there and help them reach their goal so they can develop their idea. Now here's another Kickstarter campaign that I'm involved in. Now involved, I mean, all I did was just, you know, make my contribution, but I'm eager to, to see them be successful, which they already have been. This is a couple who came up with the idea of having seven different dice. So we're talking about square wooden dice, like you would throw to play in a game, but the dice have on them food groups. So one will be meat. So it's going to be chicken, ham, pork, you know, or beef, whatever on, on the different sides. And then you have a vegetable one and a salad one and a dessert one and a seasoning one. So there's like seven different ones. You put these in a glass tumbler, shake them up, throw them out on the counter. And what's on top defines the meal you're going to have that night. Now, is that a fun thing or what? I mean, I love that idea. Ordered one of those. Don't tell my daughter I'm going to give it to her for Christmas. They love being creative and having their little girls included in the process of coming up with creative meals. So I'm going to give one to her that I ordered through that campaign. They wanted to raise $7,500 is what their goal was. So they could really research and develop this. The last I looked, they were at $118,000. Now, what a cool kind of thing. You want to raise $7,500, you raise $118,000 and still going strong. I mean, those are the kind of ideas that I just think are really cool. Now, Jim asked me, how do I filter ideas for myself? The filter for ideas myself is not how great they are or what commercial value they have nearly as much as how does this fit me? So my filter is Dan Miller. Does this fit what I'm already doing? You know, I have my goals set way in advance. I mean, I know what 2014 is going to look like. So an idea would have to line up with what I'm already doing for me to pay much attention to it. There's a whole lot of ideas and you can chase a whole lot of rabbit trails. And I, I do enough of that even with my filters in place. Trust me. I, I love looking at new ideas, but usually when I look at new ideas, like the ones I just described, it's not, you know, hitting myself in the head. Oh my gosh, I should have had that idea or, Oh, I'm going to take that and try to do it better. My own version. No, not at all. I'm very, very busy with what I'm doing. I love seeing other people do these things where the ideas fit them. It fits their area of interest. So I screen ideas. Does it fit me? And by doing that, does it line up with the kind of content area that I'm already involved in? You know, does it line up with the space that I'm in and helping people find their, their passion, their dream, turning that into meaningful work or business? I mean, those are the kind of things that I spend my time in. So the idea is going to have to line up with that for it even to get my initial attention. And then it's going to have to be something that fits in line with the priorities that I've already established. Great question. You know, you ought to have, you, you can't just chase every idea. You've got to have your own filters in place for what is it that I'm going to pay attention to and spend time on. Craig from Minnesota says, Dan, a while back, you talked about a guy you would help get a job down by the Florida coast selling boats. 
That story has always resonated with me, and I was wondering if you could tell me about it again, maybe who he is so I could contact him for more information. I want to change careers, and I've always loved the ocean water. Love to help people build relationships and enjoy nature. I've read all of your books, and now I'm ready to make the move. Send out resumes and letters and make contacts with some boat dealers. Your thoughts. Well, thanks for your question. I have no idea. (laughs) <laughs> what that guy's name was. But I remember this story. I remember working with him. He was in a position that he really felt like he was just going through the motions. He was losing his sight. I remember that. He was losing his eyesight. And he said, I really want to work, you know, selling boats. We identified like seven different major manufacturers in coastal locations. He contacted them, had like four job offers instantly at more money never dreamed of. I mean, it was one of those success stories. That's been a very, very long time ago. Oh, wow. I'd have to really rack my brain. I mean, a lot of times when I mention things on here, it's somebody that I'm working with currently. Well, when 10 or 15 years go by, it's hard for me to tap into, you know, I think his name was Jim. Ah, but I, I am not going to be able to pull it up. And that's been so many years ago. I have no idea what happened since then. It's not like a story that was that I've stayed current with at all. However, that being the case, you don't need to connect with him. You can do exactly what I just described yourself. You can do the same thing. You identify seven boat manufacturers or dealers, depending on how you want to structure your opportunity. Make sure that they're in locations where you want to live. You're living in Minnesota, St. Paul, Minnesota. Hey, I don't blame you for wanting to go where it's warm and where the water is. So just identify those places. Been working with a couple last night. I was describing every move that Joanne and I have made has never been based on career. It's always been based on a lifestyle. We've always made the decisions about where we wanted to live first fully confident that no matter where we live, there's plenty of opportunities to create a living and a good one. And that's proven to be true. But uh, so you decide where you want to go. You can do exactly the same thing. This comes from Tiffany. Dan, hope all is well. I really have grown to love 48 days and your advice and podcast keep me in a productive, creative mental space. I'm a freelance writer. I want to write an ebook. Can I use material I was paid to write for other publications as material for an ebook. I also have material I wasn't paid to write, but I contributed to a magazine. Can I use this material? I really need a starting place and I'd like to test the material with work I already have. Tiffany, I right on the surface I would say no, don't do that. If you wrote for a publication where you were paid, I really expect that you had an agreement that gives them exclusive rights to that content. Typically that's going to come as part and parcel of being paid for the content. Now there's certainly been a lot of times when I've written for publications where that's not been true, but usually when I write for a publication, I'm not being paid for that. All I'm interested in is the byline. So it then sends people back to the 48 days site. That's what I'm looking for. Not compensation, but sending people back to their, our site, 48days.com, where they then get involved and do spend money. So on the surface, I would say probably you're on pretty shaky territory to do that. However, when you wrote something, when you wrote an article, a blog, or a post of any kind, there's so many ways to just tweak that 
content. I mean, there are apps out there. You can get an app that'll actually spin your articles. So what that means is, you know, when you say, you know, recently you were walking alongside the lake and you had this idea and because of that, you wrote a book. Well, if you spin that article, it will say, you know, two weeks ago, while you were strolling along a river, you had an epiphany. And because of that, you jotted down some thoughts. I mean, that, that's how these apps will actually take an article of yours and spin it. So it's enough different that it's never going to show up like in a Google search as being the same content. So you can take anything that you had and just tweak the content. I would do that rather than having something word for word the same. Just tweak the content so that you really freshen it up and make it your own again. And then certainly you can do that. I mean, there are plenty of things that I've written that have been in magazines, newspapers that are now part of books that I've written in concept, not word for word, but where the concept is exactly the same, where I just tweak it. That's never been an issue. I've never been confronted on that in any way. Let me grab a couple more. Now this is, this is anonymous and I respect that comes from a mom who says I've spent the last five years as a stay at home mom volunteering full-time for an organization. I've held numerous positions and gained a great deal of leadership and administrative experience. I'm college educated, know my education experience and skills make me qualified for more than an entry level position. However, I'm not confident in my job search because I haven't held a traditional job in such a long time. My prior job history is spotty going from job to job. I don't know how to translate my volunteer experience into job qualifications that will allow me to confidently apply for jobs. The only position that I held long-term was also volunteer. So I can't stand confidently on that either. I've used the 48 days book also being 39 and not further along in my career path makes me feel insecure. Well, thank you for being a stay at home mom. I don't think there's anything more honorable as a job or position than that. So hold your head high about what you've done when you, there's nothing that's more rewarding than raising great kids. If you want to get back in a traditional workplace, not a problem at all. You can frame what you've done as a volunteer or as a mom, as areas of competence. Now, what this is going to imply is a resume that's more a functional resume than a chronological resume. So if you just list the timelines and you show that you haven't had a job outside the home for the last five years, yeah, that's going to be hard to kind of frame that. But if you show areas of competence that you're great in customer service, organization, data input, fundraising, logistics, I mean, there's a lot of things you could draw directly from being a mom where you've done those things well as a volunteer. Look at the things that you've done well as a volunteer. You can very competently draw from those areas and list those as skills and talents that you have. A resume can have a hundred percent of the things on there that you show as competencies where you've never been paid a penny to do any of those. That's totally legitimate to do it in that way. Keep in mind, a resume is simply something where you want it to whet the appetite of those who are seeing it. So they have reason to want to have more contact with you. I mean, that's what you're doing when you're doing a resume. So you can put things on there, even if they've not come from 
jobs that you've had. Put those on there, but list things that you want to continue doing. Don't just list things that you uh, feel like you're being forced to do. I mean, list things that you think that you want to continue doing. Show those as competencies. Get the interviews. In the interview, people can ask you anything they want to. And in the interview, then they can ask you about what you've been doing the last five years or whatever. And certainly you're going to be honest with them about that. But at that point, you already got the cards in your hand because you're there. They're seeing you. You're going to present yourself as somebody that they want on their team. That's you're, you're well down the road to getting the position that you want at that point. Well, let me just kind of, let me just kind of recap here. We're, we're just at the end of our time here anyway. You know, I'd love to hear your, your ideas about this thing about what if I'm a fish, but climbing trees pays better. I, I'm intrigued by that concept. It's, it's framed as a great question. A lot of you are dealing with that. Again, my big thing is develop a process, a system, a strategy, be intentional about what you do with your fishing or your art or your music or whatever it is. Don't think that just being great, having talent is enough. No, you need to take your passion. And that relates to a couple other questions we had today. Take your passion and put legs on it by having a process for how you're going to get engaged in that. My system for screening good ideas is really filtered by what I know about myself, much more so than looking at what will the market bear? Or what can I do out there? Nah, those are other issues, but really the thing that it has to get through in order for me to spend time on it. Does it fit me personally? That's my screen. You had to have a similar filter for what you do. And can you get in the back in the job? The workplace after being a stay-at-home mom, absolutely. People will love validating the fact that you did what you did. That's not a blight on your resume in any way. Present the areas of competence that you know you can do well, even if those were things developed outside of positions where you were paid for them. Totally legit. Reminds me, I'm doing a lot of updates on the 48 Days to the Work You Love right now. That'll be released as a 10th anniversary special edition in November of 2014. Those are the kind of things I'm putting in there. Thanks for your questions. As they come in, I'm able to integrate those into the new version revisions. Well, keep in mind the new events that we've got coming up. If you want to get involved in the events that we've got coming up and you know what a believer I am in taking part of in events to grow yourself. When I go to, I'm going to an event this week where I'll be the speaker. Am I going to just show up? Five minutes before I speak? No, I'm going a day early. I'll sit in there with the audience, get to know them, who I'm speaking to, stay there afterward, rub shoulders with them. I can learn a ton from those people, even though I'm one of the uh, keynote presenters. Look for things to go to. If you want to come to the events we're going to have here, check them out. Go to live events under 48days.com. We've got a discount right now to be part of Innovate, the one that has gotten so much attention. We've got three events lined up. There's a discount for the next couple of weeks. If you register right now, that's going to go up because the demand is exceeding our capacity to get uh, fannies into seats here at the sanctuary. But we got some great ideas for the one that's going to happen in March. Love to see you there. I get a lot of questions from coaches. If you want to check out our coaching mastery program, go to coaching as a tab under 48days.com. Sometimes people tell me they have trouble finding this, but if you just go to coaching tab at 48days.com, the drop down will show you the coaching mastery program. We'd love to talk to you about that as well. Well, 
hey, this is a great time of year to be planning what you're going to do to make next year the the year of your dreams. I mean, the year that you've been wanting to walk into, you know how to do that. You create a strategy, you create a process, you decide, create a plan of action, start doing the things that are going to walk you right into that. Hey, thanks for being part of this amazing group of people who are, in fact, finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, fulfilling, and you know what else it is? Profitable. Yes, it is. Enjoy your process of profitability.